Hey, good morning, folks. Uh, thanks for joining us again uh, this morning online, and uh, appreciate your continued care for our ministry here at Liberty Grace. I want to remind you that that if you support us uh, in a financial way, you can still do that online through PayPal, and please continue to do that as we support the various ministries and other things that we do locally here and around the world. Thank you for continuing to pray for us, and I'll continue to pray for you and for your hearts, as I said this week in, a, in another message. So we're going to continue to focus on, uh, on the chapter 8 of Mark this week. We're going to jump into that next chapter, and I hope that you have been following along, that, uh, that you are taking time to read these chapters and allow the story of Jesus to unfold before you, that you are being drawn into what he has been doing uh, since the foundation of the world. You know, last week we saw Jesus confront the Pharisees and, and the, the religious leaders as well as the people of Israel there that were being oppressed by the Roman officials. He called the Pharisees hypocrites and he said that, you know, you're basically presenting, you're preventing people from coming to know me as their Lord. That you are giving me lip service, but these people are far from me. Their hearts have drifted far from me. And so as Jesus begins to confront these religious leaders and to, to really describe why he is here, the tensions are going to continue to mount. And and he knows that his purpose is to be here to change this world for a spiritual purpose. And today we're going to dive in here in Mark chapter 8 verse 31 and look at what the disciples were missing. How Jesus planned to transform their hearts from the inside out and take away the sin and the guilt and to give them back the eternity that was stolen by sin uh, so in verse 31, the eighth chapter of Mark, he then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. He said, get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Jesus began to understand and describe what it was that that he was going to have to do. He was going to have to die. He was going to have to be raised again to, to conquer sin and death in our world. But the disciples needed to hear this over and over. If you look throughout the, the Gospels, he presents this in a number of different ways. And we're going to see this come up in a number of times that Jesus talks them through what was necessary for his purposes to be accomplished. He says he's going to be rejected by the teachers and the Pharisees, those that are 
in the religious ruling class. Those that control the gateway to God, as it were, inside of Judaism at that moment. They were going to have to change the way they viewed this world and eternity. And the only way that that was going to happen was for them to trust Jesus. I can hear this kind of discussion as it doesn't give us any specific things that Peter says. It just says that, that as Jesus described that he was going to have to die and, and be raised again and he's going to have to be rejected. And, and Peter is the guy that reacts, right? He's the guy that cuts Malchus's ear off in the garden. He's the guy that acts. He springs right into action. And, and I'm sure he let loose with his tongue right away. And, and he pulls Jesus aside and he starts to rebuke him. And I can hear him kind of say in my own mind, Jesus, don't you understand that you can change the world? Don't say these things. You can feed people. We've seen you do it. You can heal people. You could mobilize these people and you could set them free in this world. And Jesus then understands completely from Peter that, that Peter doesn't get it, that he is now still worried about this world. And so he turns his view to the rest of the disciples who were gathered there. And he says it very clearly. Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> All right? Thinking that the worst thing you could say to somebody who is your follower, if you are God, is that you're acting like my enemy right now. And that's what Jesus says to Peter. He says, you're getting in the road. Get behind me, Satan. Get out of my way because this is my purpose. And the Peter and the disciples didn't want to see Jesus have to go through what he needed to do to be the savior of the world. They thought he could change the world just as it was, but, but to bring restoration and to break this, the curse of sin in this world, this is what was going to be necessary. He says to the disciples then, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. It's easy to get caught up and worried about the lifespan that we have here on this planet. To be concerned with our health and the safety of our children and, and the, the vibrancy of our work and our, our ministry. And we get caught up in those things, but we need to be reminded that, that our lifespan is a vapor when compared to eternity. It's just a mist. It's, it's here and it's gone like a morning fog. And that's what he's trying to tell the disciples, that I can't I can't restore this world without breaking the curse of sin and death. And the way to do that is for me to die and for you to trust me and to know that I have risen and I have conquered death and that eternity is now established on your behalf. You know, we live in an amazing country on an incredible planet. I've, I'm kind of a nerd, and some of you guys know this, and I've read some books, and one of the ones that sticks out in my mind is called This Privileged Planet, and, and it describes our planet not just 
the way in which it supports life, but the fact that its positioning inside of the galaxy, inside of our solar system, is such that you can see out. Not every planet can you see from. There is balls of gas out there that if you were on the surface, you wouldn't be able to see off of the surface. There are obstructions to the view from any other planet but ours. We have an amazing place that we live here in the United States and on earth. But we can't allow that to become our only concern. That we get so wrapped up in the human concerns that we forget about the spiritual stuff. That, that we recognize this is God's creation and this is place for us right now. But this is what it looks like when it's marred by sin and by guilt. It's nothing compared to what awaits us in eternity in heaven. And, and that thousand years when Jesus comes back, the millennial reign in Revelation 20, where, where we will reign for a thousand years with Jesus in a perfect creation because sin and guilt and all that will be wiped away when he returns. You see, the disciples saw Jesus' power that he could feed people, heal people, turn things upside down. He could have led a revolution and changed their immediacy, but not necessarily the eternity because sin and guilt and the power of death needed to be conquered for us to be completely free. Free from our own selves and the wicked hearts that rest inside of us, those hearts that we talked about last week, that, that we offer God our lip service, that we honor him with our lips, but our hearts are far from him. The only way to change that is to respond to the Holy Spirit's nudging and to understand what Jesus had to do and did on our behalf. Yes, I am disturbed by what's going on in our world. I am disturbed, but I'm not deterred in my purpose. It can't deter me. It can't change what it is that I'm supposed to be doing. And so I have chosen in these moments to pray for you, to pray for our elected officials, to pray for those public servants that are, that are trying to figure out what to do, and, and they need the influence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. They need for us to be praying for them so that they see the world as it was designed and it was created because nothing has escaped the eyes of our God. Nothing is outside of his plan. As a matter of fact, what the disciples were understanding in this moment and what we see right now is that in our world today, right, the way that we see it and, and, and a popular thing that, that people like to do is to watch movie trailers, right, before they come out. So you get a little taste of what is coming. You think, man, that looks like a movie I want to see. Well, folks, that's what the New Testament is for the Gospels. While Jesus was alive and what he did, the culmination of his work on the cross, that's the trailer that finally we can respond to him and, and we get excited about the movie that's yet to come, which is eternity. 
that feature-length presentation that Jesus was a part of, what the disciples were understanding now is that, that he was just the trailer. He was just the tease. And don't you want to see the whole movie? Don't you want to be a part of it in eternity and understand why it was that Jesus came? So Jesus talks to his disciples first, and then as, as was the pattern, right? He went back and forth from disciples to Pharisees to crowd to crowd to disciples. He's going to pull the crowd in and let them in on what's going on too. Verse 34 of Mark chapter 8. Then he called the crowd to him, allowing along with his disciples, and he said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels to bring about the real part of the movie. When he comes back. Don't allow Jesus to be ashamed of you in that moment because you're ashamed of him today. He's talking to the crowd and he wants them to understand that they must deny themselves, that they must take up their cross and follow him. Die to themselves and follow him. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. He said a similar thing when he says to the disciples, you have in your mind merely human concerns if you're worried about just this world and just your time frame here if you're so concerned about saving your life here you're gonna miss eternity you're gonna forfeit your soul you know we're made up of these two different parts where this physical body that encapsulates the spiritual center and the essence of who we are. And that essence is what is crying out for God. It's that thing that you cannot ignore when you are hurting and when you are really struggling. That's what's crying out to God. It's your essence because you were designed to be in relationship with a holy God. And there's a way for you to do that by bowing your knee to Jesus, denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following him. All of the life and the worship that we are about in our daily living, breathing, loving, and understanding should flow out of that relationship we have with Jesus first. If we win this world, Jesus says, we forfeit eternity. If we save our life here, then, then we forfeit our soul. And what gain is that? What do we have to offer in exchange for that? Nothing. We have a Savior that paid the price for us. The absolute total payment has been made in full for you. Jesus is talking to this crowd, folks. 
a crowd of probably multiple layers of socioeconomic strata, but they were mostly Jews, and they were in Roman occupation and oppression at this time as well. They were in part of the Roman Empire where they were under, under force and control of an entirely different dictatorial system. And Jesus tells them, right, that even though you, you are still free to worship, because at this moment they were free to worship and go to the temple, they had their religious freedoms, but they were economically oppressed. This is a very similar situation to where we find ourselves, right? This is not new, folks. That we would have our religious freedoms, we're able to go to church and do those kinds of things and free to worship as we please, but yet the government is making decisions that affect some of our economics and, and we're really struggling and chafing against those freedoms. We need to forget about this world a little bit to not obsess about it so much. To allow Jesus to be the focus, to know that, that he will provide for our needs. That when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels, then eternity will begin and our reign will begin. The thousand years that we have here on this earth will be all about Jesus with no sin, no tears, no crying, no doubt, all of those things will be gone. We have that to look forward to because of what Jesus did. We need to spend time in his word even more than ever before. We need to pray for those people that are making decisions. We need to get together as a body and, and corporately worship who he has made us to be in this world that he has designed. But we also must understand that things are going to get worse. Maybe not this time. Every generation has to have something to remind us that God is in control and that his imminent return is tomorrow. That we need to be reminded that he could be here tomorrow and all of this will go away. That we live in such a way that we take today as the day that, that is the last breath and the last deed that people may know about us. That we would live in such a way that we have eternity in view. Paul writes in the book of Philippians, Chapter 3, starting in verse 17. Book of Philippians, chapter 3, verse 17. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many who can, whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things and they think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. 
We are eagerly awaiting him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into the glorious bodies like his own using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. All of this is part of the plan. All of it. Nothing escapes his control, and everything will be brought under his control. We're promised that. Paul, the disciple of Jesus here, spent time with Jesus after being blinded, right? On the road to Emmaus, he's knocked off his horse, and he spent time with Jesus learning these things, and he knows what he's talking about. And he's telling us to follow his example and follow the example of those that have gone before us, and he's saying it with tears in his eyes, folks. This has been a rough few months for those, including myself, who care deeply about the church, the body of Christ, not just locally, but around the world. And we need to be reminded that there will be many whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. This is playing off exactly of Mark when, when Jesus tells us to pick up our cross and follow him. There will also be those around us that will be enemies of that cross. They won't have a biblical world view. They won't believe that this is all part of a plan that God is orchestrating to bring about good in the end. They're going to panic. They're going to fear. They're going to try to control and manipulate it for their benefit and for the benefit of, of the immediate future. And Paul is saying to us, there will be enemies whose conduct will reveal themselves, but take heart that our citizenship is not here. That this brief moment in time that we live here is not the end, but our citizenship is in heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we eagerly wait for him to come and return as our Savior. And in that moment, our weak bodies will be translated into the glorious bodies like his and he'll use the same power at that moment to bring everything back under his control. My exhortation, my pleading, my tears over the last week can be summed up by being the body of Christ. Do the things that we are supposed to do. We're supposed to get together, read his word, to pray, to love God and love others. That's our priority. That's what we get to do in this moment. As we go through these things, just as the, the disciples, just as the Jews of the first century, all were dealing with economic oppression and upheaval, with all of those things going on around them, Jesus says, listen, I'm at work. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And one day I'm going to come back and it's all going to be put right. Read the word of God embedded in your heart. 
Pray, love your neighbor. Allow biblical truth to direct you each day. Don't get caught up with all of the stuff that's going on in our world. Everything is inside of his plan. Things are supposed to get bad. If you read the scriptures, things are supposed to get bad. So that many might turn their hearts to the hope that is found in Jesus. And I am praying that, that this right now is driving you to your knees and driving hearts of people that are desperately wicked to him. The hope and the savior of the world. It just means that as things get worse... That what we have been waiting for is getting close. That that trailer is all we've had to hold on to, right? That we've been looking at waiting, waiting for the, the feature presentation to come. We've been anticipating the release of what Jesus is promising us. And, and it could be tomorrow, folks. It could be tomorrow. It, it could be before you get to watch this video. That could happen. We're supposed to live like it. We're supposed to put our hope and our trust in him. And yes, care about the things of this world, but care about the hearts of the people of this world. That we would be a, a, a force of unity, that we wouldn't fight amongst ourselves over trivial, earthly, human concerns, but that we would be united in, in the fact that we know Jesus and we want you to know Jesus. I'm praying for your hearts this week. Pray for the hearts of those people around you, those people that are making decisions in our world. Father, thank you for your love for us. Lord, thank you that you, you came Jesus, you walked among us. We can follow the, the storyline through the Gospels and we can read your words to us. I pray that daily we would lay down the worries of this world, those human concerns, and we would pick up your cross, that burden that is promised to be light. That we would understand that we get to do that. We don't have to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow economically and in, in this world. But we get to, to think about eternity. Father, thank you for giving us grace and mercy. Lord, that through our tears, we would continue to see you and know that eternity is coming. Lord, thank you for loving us. I pray that you would come sooner rather than later, Father. That you would redeem your creation and restore it to its rightful place. That we would enjoy it with you. In Jesus' name, amen.